podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. It's Russ from My Hammers 11. I hope you're all safe and well. Obviously, if you use the channel, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell notification. It's only so you're made aware of any time we put new videos up. Obviously, we've got interviews going up daily, but sometimes we go two, three times a day, so you don't want to miss any, so make sure you hit that bell. Um, we have got an incredible uh, <laughs> an array of guests coming up, including today's guests. Twen- almost 20 years service for the club. Um, he played 278 times for the first team. He was youth team coach, reserve team coach, first team coach, back at the club as under-18 coach. It's it's bloody Kevin Keane. Hi, Kev. How are you? Hi, Russ. I'm good, thanks. Really good, thank you. How's everything? How's how's a lockdown been for you? Uh, lockdown's been fine for me. and uh, Lots of jobs doing around the house, a little bit yeah. of work with the, uh, the youth team on Zoom and things like that. Um, yeah. it's, it's been pretty good. A lot of dog walking, a lot of gardening. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much everyone else, isn't it? To be honest. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and as you said, yeah, we said before we started, it's all about. You know, obviously, we got the countdown now until the Premier League starts again. So it's probably all, all hands on deck for the for the first team. Obviously, the players and they've had like you know they've done you know behind closed doors friendlies and, and stuff like that. It's um it's going to be interesting, isn't it? I think I think that's the best way to describe it at the moment. It'll be really interesting. I think um, I was talking to someone the other day and saying I felt I felt like those teams at the bottom will be given a little bit of uh, a different hope because it's so unusual to play mm. in stadiums with no people. It's such an unusual situation um, that even you know that the team Norwich right at the bottom maybe thinking well actually we we can go and beat Man City, we can beat Man United, yeah. whoever it is. I, I think it's such an unusual situation that I think we could see some different results over the coming weeks. I'm really looking forward to it. looking forward yeah. to getting back. Yeah, up on Sally and seeing uh, seeing our first team hopefully win some games. Yeah, it's 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 it reminds me of like the World Cup. You know, you're going to have like three or four games a day type thing, and it's going to be amazing. It's like housewives are going to like and, and women are going to hate it because like be football on all the time. We haven't had football on for a hundred days, so it's uh it's it's our turn. We you know, kick off Tiger King off Netflix and uh, and get the older get the old football on. But I mean, yeah, I totally agree. I think it's gonna that I'd say not the people in the bottom. I think the ones above, they're the, they're the teams I think are going to worry because it's, as you said, there's going to be some really unusual results coming up and I yeah. think some more people are going to be drawn in and it's going to be really exciting. You know, I think for the bottom, the bottom, say from you know, the bottom half of the table, basically, I think it's gonna be really, really exciting. Um, yeah. And we'll see what happens. Yeah. You're yeah. still going to play the music. Yeah, yeah, I'm on. I'm on the list. I'm on the list. Clearly, okay. kept, clearly, they need uh, "I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles" being played to make sure they know that we're under the stadium. But uh, yeah, I'm on the list. Um, yeah, still don't know what's going to happen, but I imagine you know, I have to get tested and I've got my masks and everything. So uh, yeah, it's going to be weird. But it, I'm sort of used to playing sort of that empty, empty stadium because um, you know when we we used to do a lot of the under twenty three games, don't we? We play a few under twenty three games there, and there's a couple of hundred fans there, and it, it's yeah. bizarre. But obviously, you know, it's going to be even weirder because I think they're they're covering all the all the lower tier seating, um, so it doesn't look so empty. If that makes sense. Yes, um, which is good and, and, it, and fair play to them to do stuff like that. Is, is they doing crowd noises, or has that not been agreed, or what's happening I, in the crowd? I, I I think it's on a on a broadcast by broadcast basis. I think the broadcast. Oh people are, are piping it in rather than us um oh, i could have a go i could have a go with <laughs> mike you know come on antonio you know <laughs> var var um but yeah no it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting and as i said it's uh 
yeah, we seem to have a few. Everything, all of our first three games are obviously on Sky, it seems. Um, and we've got a lot of Wednesday evening games. I know we're playing, uh, we've got Chelsea on a Wednesday. I think we've got maybe Spurs on a Wednesday evening as well. So, who knows? Who knows? Evening games at home were always a big thing for the Hammers. <laughs> But unfortunately, we're not going to have a crowd <laughs> No, it's not. But we'll see. I, you know, we'll see what, how it all falls out. But yeah, as I said, it's back. Yeah, it's back and people are starting to talk about football again. And I think the morale of the country will be up. And that's what it's all about, I think. You know, I think everyone has this newfound... You know, you, I, I'm a real believer of the adage, you don't know what you've got to, it's gone. And that's mm-hmm. so true with football. You know, we almost took it for granted. Um, and I think there's... Uh, a great appreciation now for football um and so yeah we'll see what happens it's going to be fun and and yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to it now um i'm i was a bit skeptical about doing it um but you know i'm only one man i'm only one man kev but um yeah good luck to for later in your life when you know when football gets back to normal what about that time when uh, coronavirus <laughs> was about were you in the stadium well yeah i was yeah, in the stadium okay. Yeah, I watched it live, you know. Yeah. Great story for you. No, it is, yeah. I'm going to have to take some pictures. Um, and I'll do, I'll do a few tweets on my Twitter feed as well. I think it'll be quite funny. But as you said, but that time when everyone's back together, that first time that the 60,000 get in to London, whenever that'll be, and that bubbles is played for the first time, that's going to be like proper spine tingling, I think. Um, so, yeah, but, and that's what started the channel out, really. You know, the whole idea, we, we didn't have football and I was a bit bored. Um, and obviously, we've been interviewing fans all over the world about their sort of memories of, of the support in the club and their, their sort of Hammers 11. Um, and obviously, more, more recently, we get more players, ex-players on there asking about their memories of the club. And obviously, for you, Kevin, you know, you know the adage, 20, you know, man and boy, that was, that's basically you, really, West Ham. You know, 20 years service, almost yeah. there or thereabouts. Um, obviously, you, you know, the first question I always ask all players, ex-players, is, is why West Ham? So, you know, obviously 16, you were a yeah, schoolboy, uh, apprentice. Why mm. West Ham? Why West Ham? I think like uh, a lot of young players, uh, young kids growing up in the sort of 70s, 80s, West Ham was what I would call my second team. Um, even though I was born in the South, I supported Man City because they had a player called Colin Bell. And Colin Bell was my hero when I was young. I wanted to be Colin Bell. Um, and then when I was 12, I got scouted by West Ham. And that sort of the following year coincided with West Ham getting to Wembley in 1980. So the club very cleverly invited me to Wembley and that was it. My life was changed forever because what an amazing day. Um, Trevor obviously scoring the winner. It was just incredible. And from that day on, West Ham has been my club. Joined the club at 16 um, along with Potsy, two apprentices together. Um, I think us two between us have done all right. Yeah, you've done all right, and obviously you're, you're both, and obviously you're both back. So these potches, yeah. potches, it's, it's, and and I think that's that's a thread which a lot of West Ham fans, you know, love to see. Obviously, you know, West Ham boys, so to speak, in the in the backroom staff, and I know it's a it's a thing everyone sort of is is, is always very keen on. Um, and obviously, you know, you let you know you, you played. We'll talk about your playing career because it was incredible. But obviously, then you left and came back as a coach, and you know it was again. Was that because West Ham was your club and it came back, and you and you wanted to come back and and go behind the scenes? Yeah, um, I was thirty-five. I just finished my last couple of years playing at Macclesfield in Division Two, and that is not quite the same as playing in the <laughs> the top divisions in this country. Playing at Darlington in front of five hundred in the also wind screens or whatever. <laughs> 
that made me decide that um, a coaching career was probably the better direction to go. And Paul Goddard was assistant manager to Glenn yeah. Roder at the club at the time. And Paul was a very, very good friend of mine. Knew that I was uh, done my coaching badges. And he mentioned that Tony Carr was looking for an assistant. So it sort of all fell into place a little bit. I did a couple of interviews and, and luckily Glenn Roder and Tony chose me to to come back to the, the club I love and it was absolutely brilliant, unbelievable yeah. feeling to get that job, come back down south and, and it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And obviously you, you, you were in the coaching sort of group for you know, several years, you know, nine years or so. And obviously you were, you know, famously a reserve team coach, first team coach, caretaker manager as well. You know, it's, it was, it's quite, you had, the, you had all the, you know, you had the royal flush really in terms of the, the backroom <laughs> stuff. But, and, you know, obviously, you know, from the playing perspective, you know, 278 games, there was a, obviously loads of memories. Um, of, you know, my my sort of memory of you, Kevin, was that 92-93 season because that was probably my first proper season. And basically, you played every game. Was it 56 games you played that season? Um, which was incredible. And obviously, it being your last season, but winning, runner-up to Hammer of the Year as well that year as well. What's it like? Because I think you're the first person I've met who is runner-up or won the... What's it like picking up that award, Hammer of the Year? Or runner-up Hammer of the Year, sorry. I lost you. Yeah. I lost you for a second. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. I was about to say, what's it like being winning sort of runner-up Hammer of the Year? You know, because it's obviously only two of you. There's the Hammer of the Year and the runner-up Hammer of the Year. What's it like having that accolade from the fans sort of put on it's, you, so to speak? An extremely proud moment. I mean, that's that season for me was the, my best season at the club by a, a long way. It's a fantastic season. The club got promoted uh, to be runner-up to one of my best mates in Steve as well to go yeah, out and receive yeah. it for the game and that final game of the season I don't know if you remember was yeah, the game yeah. that mattered so you know you're going out you're receiving your trophy but at the same time you've got to quickly refocus and make sure that we, we win the game which fortunately it was 2-0 against Cambridge fantastic finish and that ended up being I look back now very sadly my last game for the club but what but in a, but what a game well, you know as you said oh. so much was on that game I remember that game so vividly because I remember I was in the I was in the West End and I was in the lower tier and uh, a rope ladder almost took my head out from the top tier. Someone threw a rope ladder. I don't know how they got it through the security. <laughs> you, you wouldn't be able to get it. And people were, and some people were trying to go down from the top tier onto the pitch, and it was like yeah. it was absolutely incredible, wasn't it? I mean, that whole season I thought was was brilliant. You know, as in and you used to play every game as well. It was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I, that, I got back to the changing room that day and all I had left on was my shorts, thankfully. Um, fans came on, they lifted me up, they took my boots and, and by, in that age, that pair of boots lasted me all season. It's not like now when I have a new pair of boots every game. So someone had my boots, I gave them a shirt, someone, I got to the changing room and just had my shorts on. So it was brilliant. It was a, it was a fantastic season. And, and when, we, when we get to my team, you'll see that um, you know, I made my debut in 86, left in 93, and the 86 team was obviously the team that finished third, and then, and then the team that finished in 93 was the team that got promoted, and you'll see that the majority of, of my West Ham 11 that I'm, I'm picking is from those sort of two eras, sort of the end of the 86 team, then going through to what I thought was a fantastic team that year with a great manager in Billy. It was, just, it was a fantastic year. Yeah, it was a great year. It was a great year. And also, you know, because... We haven't got any football or live football. We've a lot of people been going back and 
watching the end of season reviews and obviously I went back to that 92, 93 season and that was a hell of a season. That was brilliant. You know, it's like I had everything that season. And as you said, going down to that last game against Cambridge. And I remember we had, there was a guy next to me, we had a radio, the Portsmouth game was on and it was like, it was, you know, for someone who's obviously we've never, you know, in my career, I've never won West Ham career, fan career, never won nothing apart from the Intertota Cup. People forget about the Interstate Cup in 99. That's a European trophy. Um, it was amazing. And I don't think I've had that fan, you know, that sort of, obviously, playoff finals and things like that. But that's like one game. There was so much riding on that game against Cambridge. And it was just absolutely brutal. Let, let's go on and talk about other stuff. Obviously, you know, we'll go and talk about your 11 in a minute. But in terms of other highlights in your career both you know at West Ham both obviously the coaching side and the playing side there must be hundreds of memories you've got like what's what ones sort of stick out for you obviously 1990 was amazing but were there any that, that stick out that was a, that was a great year um obviously we'd won promotion I think was it three years or two years earlier yeah. as well and it was a good team but in different circumstances um played the majority of that season as well um, I remember some, some of my goals uh, really, really well. I can remember my first ever goal for West Ham, which was on a freezing, frosty January morning, and, um, an FA Cup replay against Orient. Yeah. Uh, I remember I turned up at the game and I was going to be sub. Alan Devonshire had been ill overnight, ended up playing and scoring and won the game 3-1. So I remember that vividly that day. And my first league goal as well, which was against Southampton, was a really, really good goal. I've only just come, come across again online, um, a volley from outside the box. So little moments like that, Play, playing with people like Alan Devonshire, Billy Barnes. Um, when I first came to the, the, the club, Trevor Brooking was just about finishing his career. And he would spend a lot of the time training with the youth team. Now, things like that just don't happen anymore. But in, in those days, it was such a big thing. And... Um, when I first came to the club as an apprentice, I was assigned to clean Trevor's boots, which is one of the jobs we used to do. Something that, you know, it sounds strange, but it was a, it was a great honour to be able to yeah. clean Trevor's boots. And, you know, we've had a, a friendship ever since. So lots of things like that. On the coaching side, the coaching side for me is, is made up of a more or less one thing, and that's making relationships with, with young players and making them the best they can be as a footballer, as a person. And if, if they get in West Ham's first team, that is absolutely fantastic. But otherwise than that, I, I want them to go on and have big careers. Chris Cohen, I remember, was an amazing youth, young player. I'm not sure why we did, but the club sold him eventually to Yeovil. Had an amazing career with Yeovil, Knox Forest. Junior Stanislaus, another one who perhaps we should have kept hold of when you look at what he's achieved now. Mm. now when, when I look back at those coaching bits and hopefully over the next few years, we'll, we'll create a few more of those. That, that's what gives me the most pride and still having relationships with those people. Zavon Hines has just come back into the yeah. club. and just speak to a lot. Um, that, that, that's bit. Elliot Ward to come back in a few times to, to look at some coaching. Anton, you know, people, young players that, you know, I had little bits to do with and little bits of advice and spent a lot of time on the training pitch, trying to help when they go on and have careers hopefully at West Ham, but otherwise going to have careers elsewhere. That's really genuinely gives you a lot of pride. Yeah, no, I get that. And I think even so, same with the fans as well. It's like when they see, you know, obviously the fans have seen, you know, Rio Ferdinand's and Frank Lampard's yeah. and Joe Cold's, and there's still a sense of, you know, 
is our boy, you know, with Rio and, you know, and I think, again, fans like to see, when they come back, they might boo him, but fans, you know, I, I always watch Rio's career and was like, well, I remember when he started with Joe. I remember when he signed, you know, on the pitch, you know, when he was 16. And, and it's the same thing, but I can imagine with you, it's a real sense of pride and any, any sort of youth team coach to see these players. And it's lovely that they're all coming back into the fold, you know, this is Zavon and Colton and Paul and Potsy and yourself. That's, it's, it's, and, that, and that's what West Ham's all about. And that's like the whole thing around this whole. And that's it, Russ. It, yeah. It's not just from that moment. It's, it goes back to the 60s, to people who yeah. come back through, like Ronnie Boyce, Jeff Hurst, Bobby. And then you go on to 70s, Jeff Pike, Paul Brush, Mervyn Day, 80s, Alan Dickens, Tony Cotty, George Paris. You know, it's like a conveyor belt yeah. that just goes on and on and on. And that's what the club's known for. And, and I know that the supporters love having a young player who's come through our system in the team. And you've seen that with Declan over the last couple of years. Hopefully Grady will come through uh, next year. Um, Jeremy Ngakia, Ben Johnson. And, and, and I genuinely feel, having came, come back last summer, I'm really, really hopeful because um, Ricky Martin's come in as academy manager. I'm really hopeful that we've got uh, the next few years, we've got mm. some fantastic talent coming through. And I hope that we can get that real conveyor belt of talent going again for the club. Yeah, no, I, and I, that's why I love watching the under-23s because you get a glimpse of what could be. I remember watching Deck on the under-23s and thinking, this guy's... He, he had, like, John Terry character leadership about him, which is a, a, it's a trait which is very rare in the English game now, that sort of leader. Um, same with... Well, it's rare. Yeah. In, in young players coming through now, it's really rare. Yeah, exactly. And I think we not just West Ham, but England missed that sort of meant that leader mentality. Um, yeah, and you know, so I remember seeing Grady come on and I was like, This guy's this guy's mustard, you know, and Nathan Holland and you know, and it's brilliant. And I think any time they they had the under twenty threes, particularly on the stadium, I'd say to everyone, go and watch them because it gives you a real sort of insight of what could be, you know, like little Dan Kemp and people like that. You know, they're some great players, they're great players. Um I could talk about that all day, but no, no let's, let's crack on. Um, let's do talk about your eleven because I know that you spent a bit of time looking at you know, putting. I know you put uh, a little bit, a few notes together, Kevin. So that's great. Um, what we try and do with the eleven is, as I said, we try and keep it um, to sort of a simple idea of that. You know, you have to have been alive to have seen on play. That's basically it. Everything else goes out the window nowadays, to be honest. Um, although I am learning quite a lot with the older fans about the positions because obviously I know what you know. Uh, wing back is but a left half and uh a left full inside forward it's like i have no i had to google it you know it's like it's quite sad but uh it's quite it's quite it's a learning process you know and also i'm learning all these stories from older older fans you know i know the legend of bobby moore and and martin peters and, and jeff first but meeting some of these fans who had you know um jackie hughes bless her she she was on a on the stools with next to Frank Lampard's senior stall and you know obviously Harry had one and Ray and Ray and John Charles had a fruit and veg stand and it's absolutely amazing these stories um it's so nice and the people really enjoy it that's what they're loving particularly the younger fans so in terms of you Kev you know what who would be between the sticks for your keen 11 who'd be in goal sorry Russ that's all right no worries no problems (laughs) Who'd be in goal for who? Who? <laughs> yeah. Who's in goal for the Kev, Kev Keen eleven? Um, uh, I listened to 
I watched Tony Gales and, and yeah. Kenny's um, 11 West Ham was really interesting. And, and, and Gailey, I could more or less have taped Gailey what he said about goalkeepers because in Ludek Maglosko and Phil Parks, the two of the best goalkeepers, not just for this club, but in, in my opinion, in English league football. Absolutely tremendous. And choosing between them two is nigh on impossible. Uh, Gailey went with Phil because he played a lot of games with Phil and I'm going to go just with Ludo because I played more, more games with Ludo. I'm very friendly still with both of them. I saw Phil last last season at a Maidenhead United game. I saw Ludo came over to do some coaching. Um, both fantastic, fantastic um, goalkeepers. You, you mentioned I played two, 270 for West Ham. I went on to play 600 games, league games. And I didn't have a goalkeeper that came anywhere near those two in, wow. in, in the rest of the games. Um, Phil was a fantastic presence, great shot stopper, very calm, very cool. Um, and, and Ludo was this chap that we got from Czechoslovakia who, who came in and was this, this athletic, would be at the front in pre-season running, which was unknown for a goalkeeper. <laughs> Just a fantastic save, uh, shot stopper, really good distribution of the ball. I can numerous times when he'd kick the ball to me on the right wing, and I'd be going through great vision for that sort of thing. Uh, top fella, both both of them fantastic. But mm. I, I just went for Ludo simply because I ended up playing more games with Ludo than I did Phil. Yeah, and and Ludo sort of brought a, a new level of goalkeeper, you know, because. He was more of a modern day keeper. Do you know what I mean? More athletic. You know, yes. Phil was just imposing, just a unit. Oh. Um, but they're all now more athletic. You know, Fabianski and De Gea, and they're not these big imposing. They're 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 very athletic. And I think you have to be to have that level. I can of... remember as an apprentice doing my first shooting session with the first team. John took me up to the first team to do a shooting session, and we went from having the shooting keeper who was probably I don't know just about six foot skinny, you know, and you could score goals against him. So all of a sudden you had this six foot three giant of a man that just filled the goal. And I'm thinking, well, how the hell do I score against this bloke? <laughs> and then he had the hair as well. So he had oh, six, he'd be about seven yeah. foot by the time. Yeah, on the bus, at the, on the back of the bus, obviously a different era then, you know. Yeah, well then, when the, so the Cossack money were coming through then, so the hair, so it'd be even higher, so almost seven foot by him, bless him. Right, put Ludo in goal, that sounds great. Um, shall we go, 4-4-2 okay for you, Kevin? Yeah, yeah. Yep. I've written down 4-4-2. One person's a little bit out of position, but I don't think he'll mind. Okay, let's go left back. Who Do we have left back? Um, I had two down there, uh, Georgie Paris, who George was among those people who were a couple of years older than me. So, mm. so it used to be at Chadwell Heath, you had two changing rooms. You had the youngsters changing room, sort of from under 19s down, and then the senior changing room. So when I first came into the club, you had George, Alan Dickens, Tony Cotty, Greg Campbell, um, really, really good players in your changing room trying to get to the, to the senior room. And George was one of those who took me under his wing a little bit, played a lot of games with George. Um, good player, utility player, but he just gets nicked by Julian because Julian was just legendary player. Uh, one of the things, I mean, I played lots of times on the left, lots of times on the right. So playing on the left with Julian, I know he'd be coming around me. I could feed him in for overlapping runs. But when I was playing uh, right midfield and he was playing left back, it was unbelievable because I knew that when he got the ball out of his feet, he could hit that pass over yeah. their left back to me. The power of his left foot was unbelievable. He was a completely different character. 
he didn't bother warming up. He probably warmed up by being and playing in goal, things like that. A little bit off the cuff, as if he didn't care, but he really, really did care when he, when he went out on the pitch. Um, yeah. Remember him getting sent off many times, which is part of his West Ham folklore, scoring so many goals, penalties, yeah. headers off corners, things like that. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic play. Fantastic play. Exactly. I mean, you don't get the name The Terminator if by not having the odd naughty tackle. No, I remember one at Newcastle, um, Newcastle United away, Franz Carr was giving him a little bit of a tough time because Franz Carr, I don't know if you remember, was a really, really quick player. And eventually Julian had enough. Franz had the ball in the corner, sort of protected in the corner flag and Julian said no. And just went straight through the back of him and walked off. Okay, I'll yeah. take the three games, whatever it is. <laughs> well, I think when we interviewed Martin Allen, he was talking about the Wimbledon game that all kicked off. And uh, I think when it all sort of subsided, I think the first tackle was Julian and he got sent off on Dennis Wise. And again, the same thing. Yeah, oh, I'm off, you know. And it's, uh, but that, again, that, that was, that's the legend, isn't it? And that's what I think the, the fans loved. He didn't know what was going to happen with that team, I think. There were so many characters and, and so much that could happen. I think that's why fans generally were excited to go. Because anything could happen with those, with your team particularly. And at Upton Park, you were so near the pitch that you got all that emotion and feeling yeah. from Julian that came over. And you knew when he'd lost his head. Like, you know, as a player, you knew. But the crowd, if you're near him, you knew straight away that something was going to happen. He was either going to rifle in something from 30 yards or he was going to snap someone in half. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and Martin Allen said he wasn't the best trainer. That's, that's how he left it. So I was like, okay. No. <laughs> It's a difficult one because I see I, I was a person who trained hard every day, yeah. worked hard every day, every day, every day, every day. Yeah. Um, but the Julian had this thing where he could just turn up and on a Saturday it's not a problem. A bit like the Paul McGrath syndrome, you know, yeah. you could do that easy. I wouldn't say he was a bad trainer. No, no, he didn't. It's, it, Julian would be a good trainer if he liked doing what was being said. Uh, yes, I like that. Yeah, yeah I think that's, that's what he said. <laughs> it's very very dignified okay we'll put Dixie on of course let's go right back then Kevin let's go let's go the other side who's, who's gonna be right back um I've gone Potsy Potsy's got to be in the team and with the two centre-backs I've picked Potsy's had to come over to play right back which he played a lot of games at right yeah. back um great friend through many years playing at West Ham probably played most of my games with him come through the youth team and played Youth team reserves played hundreds of games in those within the nose. Now we're obviously both back. Uh, he's the assistant under 23s coach. Got a great relationship. Um, one of my best mates and, and a super super servant for the club. But you know you don't need me to tell you that. Everyone knows that. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And never a hair out of place when he played. Stylish man, stylish man. Potsy's in. A couple of others who play right. Timmy Breaker, I really yeah. enjoyed playing with because fantastic over, overlapping player. Mm. And Kenny Brown, a really good player as well. Um, yeah. But Potts, Potts has got going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sounds great. Right, let's go your, your centre-backs then. Who's your centre-backs then, Kev? Um, my centre-backs are from when I first broke into the team and, and probably stayed in and around the team for most of my career. And that's Gailey and, and Alvin. Yeah. Uh, I think they stand pretty much head and shoulders as two of the best of that era. Uh, Alvin obviously played for England. He should have played in the game against Argentina at the 8-6 World Cup and I don't think Maradona would have scored the second goal. Um, and Gailey was, you know, between them, the fantastic pairing. 
And I think a lot of that 86 team was based around that secure partnership at the back. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get a game in that season. I was unused sub once, but obviously the following seasons, I played a lot of games with Tony and Alvin. Two really, really good players. Alvin was both, both of them on the floor with the ball, two of the best centre-halves you'll see with the ball at their feet. Alvin was really quick, uh, quick feet, tricky, mm. could get out of trouble, little turns. And Gailey was a wonderful passer, long, short, read the game fantastically. Not the quickest, but his reading of the game, you know, made up for that. And yeah. the two of them together were a fantastic partnership and two really good people going into the, the scene in the changing room, two really good people to learn from in terms of how to train, how to treat people and how to be a West Ham, West Ham player. Yeah, no, I to- totally agree. There's nothing you can say. It. It's it, the, everything you said is, 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 was bang on, yeah. Um, and obviously when we had, when we had Gailey, he was captain, he was a uh, corner taker, free kick taker, penalty taker. Um, he, he was going to put himself up front to start with um, and he changed his mind. But uh, yeah, no, and Alvin's just Alvin. A young person going into that senior changing room, Tony was extremely cutting with his humour, with his remarks. Um, obviously nicknamed Reggie a lot because of that. And, it was an experience for me and it was a good job. I think that Tony quite liked me that we got on and yeah, um, yeah he, he's certainly a big character. And if, I, I would think you've seen him do after dinner speaking. He's yeah. absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Lots of stories about Tony Cotty, Mark Ward, whoever it is, he can give you a story. Whoever's in that audience. That's good guy. Um, but top, top player. And it, and it shows because when he went on to win a Premier League medal with Blackburn. It's very true. Very true. Um, okay, that's great. Let's go. Um, let's go midfield then, Kev. Let's go uh, left wing. Who have we got left wing? Well, like Gailey reprimanded you, I'm going to reprimand you and say it's left midfield, really. Um, yeah. It's got to be Alan Devonshire. Yeah. Uh, Dev, me and Dev have travelled in quite a lot. Um, when I first broke into the team, I was sort of Dev's driver for a couple of years until Martin and Alan come along. Um, I used to nip through. Uh, Hendon Hayesway, pick him up. We used to stop at a few bookies on the way. You'd get some breakfast somewhere and then he'd go in and train. I think a lot of people have said a lot of things about him. For, mm. for me, he was a mentor, someone who I looked up to massively. We played a similar position in the end. And uh, watching him train every day, watching him in games, watching him come back from an, an injury that mm. was in those days was career-ending, just a tremendous, tremendous player. Deserve more England caps. Yep. His dribbling ability is fantastic at linking up. I can always remember him linking up with Paul Goddard, uh, Tony Cotton, Trevor Brooking. Really good at coming inside, linking up. Um, wonderful player, wonderful person. I still see him quite a lot because uh, my, my son's the first team coach at Maidenhead United and Dev is obviously the manager. So I see Dev quite a lot. He's, he's not got those flying locks anymore, but he's still... A, no, he's, no. I mean, he's, he's the one player who, who just looks completely different from his playing days. Do you know what I mean? It's like, Kev, you, have, you haven't changed much. Gay hasn't changed much. Alvin, has, even Alvin hasn't. You know, no one's changed much apart from Dev. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's always, it's always people assume he's still going to have the locks. And, but, uh, you know, it's... Yeah, as I said, I mean, and, you know, what can you get nowadays for five grand? That's how much he costs. You know what I mean? It's like second-hand fiesta, maybe, if you're lucky. Absolutely incredible. In I, I actually bought a, I don't know if you've been watching the big match revisited spin on, I think it's on BT Sport 3. Yeah. And there was a game from his first season at home 
against Everton, he finished two all, and he, he played in the game. He looked really, really young. I texted him and said, "You've seen you on." He did a little interview afterwards. It was it's great to see those programs, those retro mm-hmm. programs, seeing uh, Upton Park in those days and, and the pitch and things like that. The people, young people, don't realise yeah. that you know we used to play on bogs. <laughs> um, you know, it's really good to see. Yeah, no, exactly, and and that's that's true. I don't think any. I think from the younger age, people don't appreciate. They assume every game was like played in like the bowling green of London Stadium. It, it wasn't, um, and to have that level of dribbling skill. On yeah. those with with the ball, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, we'll put Dev in. Let's go right midfield then. Who's playing right midfield then? Okay, he played most of his game centre midfield for for the club, but I am putting uh, my very good friend Martin Allen on the right. Yes. <laughs> good old man. Yesterday, yeah. Uh, it's really interesting, Martin and I, because we were young rivals. We both grew up outside West London. Martin was at Reading. I'm, I'm a Wickham boy and we used to play schoolboys against each other. So we're sort of rivals. And then one day, I think it was 89, he got signed. Uh, you know, all of a sudden we were, we were driving into Shadwell Heath together and we became such close friends. And, and a lot of people go, you're that close with Martin. He's completely different to you. I said, well, yeah, he's different to me. I'm different to him. But we, we have similarities as well. We, we both grew up with fathers who, who played a lot of games, professional football games, who, who managed. So we grew up as footballers' sons and all the sort of pressures that, that, that comes with that. Um, and all that sort of thing sort of connected us. And, and then we drove into Chadwell Heath for the next four or five years together. Played many, many games together. He was a little bit... Uh, I felt he protected me on the pitch. A lot of the time I'd be playing right midfield, he'd play centre midfield. And if someone was trying to rough me up a little bit, Martin would come over and go, don't worry, I'll sort him out. Um, but even though we still think of him as mad dog and, you know, they hear all these stories and he was a really, really good player. Really good player. Tenacious, tough tackling, uh, very much over my dead body, win at all costs. Scored some fantastic goals, contributed massively in in the, the season we got promoted. But he come, he goes in, it gets in the team a lot because of of our relationship and what he meant to me over those years. And I feel like he he brought me out of my shell a little bit, yeah. and maybe just a little bit. I, I brought a little, <laughs> little bit of that extrovert down a fraction. I'm not sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. And uh, as we said before, we filmed. Yeah. Obviously, last yesterday, Gailey gave uh, Gailey, uh, Mad Dog gave me the the, the sat nav directions from, from the M25 to Channel Heath, and I was like, yeah, okay. And I was thinking, doing that, you and him every day. You know, they're they're back, and you know, you might have uh, might have stopped off at Thaden Boys for a quick round, maybe or whatever. But uh, he had a um, a sponsored car from Alan Ford. I think it's Alan Ford in Romford. Yeah, 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 yeah. I bought my car from there, yeah, yeah. With his name on the side, sponsored by Alan Ford. And every month, Alan Ford would get a complaint from <laughs> a, a member of the public about his driving. <laughs> and they'd have to ring him up and say, Martin, look, you're representing our garage. <laughs> oh, how funny. Of course, you don't think of things like that. You know, obviously, Ludo had, had his Skoda, didn't he? He had his sponsored Skoda as well. Again, things like that don't happen nowadays, do they? It's like footballers have got the, the Lamborghinis. I'm not sure that anyone would be accepting sponsored Skoda on our first team at the moment. Nah. Well, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Right, we'll put, put Mad Dog in. Okay, let's go and centre midfields. Who have you got in your centre midfields then, Kevin? I think 
out of all the positions, the centre midfield was the one where it was really, really tough for me. I played mm. with some fantastic centre midfield players. When I first broke in the team, uh, Alan Dickens was playing, and he was another one of those that was one of the elder statesmen in the in the youngsters' changing room. A gentleman, what a fantastic player, unbelievable touch, and someone who, within training and games, had a, 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 a tele tele relationship with you know in terms of knowing where he was where I was really really top player and top person so there was him um, I had Ian Bishop who was a different type of player more of a Perlo who gets on it hits passes scores wonder goals played a lot of games in the in the promotion year yeah. um, and then a couple of others I'd like to mention is Peter Butler who probably doesn't get many mentions but in that season him in the centre midfield was a a massive, massive part of us going up. And in Steve, um, I played my youth team. For, Paul was a, the year below me and Steve. Um, so we played a lot of our youth team together. Youth team year, we won the league with uh, Paul and I playing centre midfield. So originally I was a centre midfield player. Um, and then went through to the combination, played a lot of game, a reserve games with Paul. So those four sort of get honourable mentions. But I think the two that I've picked in my eyes, represent everything that is West Ham United. And my two centre midfield players are Billy Bonds and Mark Nolan. Great shout. Um, obviously, I didn't play with Mark. No. Um, I played with Billy at the end of his career. And obviously, Billy was my manager. Um, Mark, I coached when I first came back to the club in 2002. Mark was in my under-16s. He was the first year that I coached. And as my coaching career went yeah, he's through... Seen. Uh, Mark's football career also went that way so we ended up spending a lot of time together and I spent a hell of a lot of time with Mark on the training pitch and, and there's so many similarities between him and Billy in terms of how loyal they are to the club the fact that neither of them got an England cap is mm. just I don't think Billy got an England cap either did he no. it's just ridiculous and the other thing that really really hit me about the two of them is yes, all the supporters know about their contribution on the pitch, how hard they worked on the pitch, what they were. But having worked in the background, having played under Billy, having been in the change room with Billy and, and been in the change room with Mark, the amount of respect they have from the other players within mm. the change room, the way they drive training every single day, um, that, that is something that is so West Ham and they know the West Ham way. And those two in the middle of the pitch for me, I couldn't think of any two people that I'd rather have in my West Ham 11 yeah. with those two controlling the middle of the pitch. Yeah, totally agree. And I think any West Ham fan would have, they, if they could have both of them in midfield, because you said they are West Ham. And you know, Mark is my, he's my Billy Bonds. I mean, obviously I was, when I was, when I started my fan career, so to speak, Billy was in charge, but I never saw him play. But Mark is, and again, you know, there's, you know, and again, it's, it's the modern game, how the modern game's moved on a bit. That testimonial at the, at the old ground, you don't get testimonials like anymore. You know, it's, very, it's on the rarity, whereas in your era, every year was a testimonial year almost. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that was, you know, I, was, I was really uh, so happy that Mark asked me to come and play in the game. Yeah. I ended up coming on for the last 15 minutes. I think I was absolutely knackered. Um, <laughs> You know, for me, what, what a swan song as a, I think I was 48 or something like that, to be able to go on top in front of a full house and play with those players. That was uh, great. You know, and it, 
I wouldn't put it past him. He might get another testimonial, which is which is what Billy did, didn't he? He had two yeah. testimonials. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you never know, do you? That nowadays, it's uh, as you said, and and Mark's resurgence into the, you know, I think with the emergence of Deck, you know, him and they complement each other so well as a two, and and Mark's, you know, is. It's, it's, you know, from a from a fan's perspective, I'd say yeah, you know, three or four years ago, they thought yeah, Mark was on seemed to be on the way down a little bit. You know, he was doing sixty minutes and stuff under Slav, and then he just seems to be this new player, like a new resurgence. So, as you, but not like not like Perlo, but in terms of you know almost maturing even more now into like a, a really significant player for West Ham, and everyone loves him, and he is Mister West Ham for the modern fan, yeah. and. If he gets his second testimony or not, I think you know. Hopefully, he'll he'd be working with you and 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 Zavon and and Colton because I think I, I, I've I've seen him coach a couple of times and he's very very good. I'm tr- I'm trying to <laughs> lean in that way, but I think his arm needs a little bit more twisting. <laughs> yeah, hey, just a few more years and then we'll see what happens. But yeah, no, no, great, great, great. Okay, let let's go up front then. Then Kevin, who's going to be your your goal getters? Who are going to Take, take uh, gone for, very tough again. I've gone for Tony Cotty and Trevor Moore. Oh, uh, yes, with McAvenny, there's Leroy, a senior, Clive Allen, David Kelly. Jimmy Quinn was a fantastically underrated finisher. What a finisher he was! Um, but I've gone for um, Tony and Trevor because of different things they meant to me. Mm-hmm. Tony was in the team when I first broke into the team, and Especially when I played on the left, probably I picked it up from Dev. But when you drifted inside, Tony would make these little darting runs in behind for you to, to put the ball on, into him. Um, he was one of my first roommates whenever I went away. He looked after me, still looks after me now a little bit. Um, great person, fantastic goal scorer. And, and just, you know, Gailey sort of hinted that sometimes his contribution outside the box was not as much as it should, it should have been. But there's nothing wrong with being out to score goal after goal after no. goal after goal. Um, an incredible box player, fantastic finisher with feet, head, whatever, um, and a top, top person. Yeah. And Trevor, for a, a little bit different reason, I played a lot of games with Trevor, mm. and I feel like he was one of these unsung heroes of the team who took a batter in, would win fouls for fun, and he just did a joy to play with. He, I talk about when I talk to my youth team players, I, one of the biggest things for me is you play for the team. And I think Trevor Morley epitomised that. He played for the team. He would self-sacrifice himself and run channels for other people, knowing he's not going to get a ball, but putting pressure on people. Just a top, top, uh, top lad. Um, someone I really, really enjoy playing with. Um, so he gets in up front with Tony Cotty. Nice yeah. little Oh yeah, really, really nice. I'm, I think uh, Martin, uh, Martin said the same thing about Trevor Morley, sort of an unsung hero. Yeah, and he was—he was like a battering ram. He was solid. He was, uh, yeah. And I think uh, he did well wherever he went. Trevor did as well, didn't he? So obviously, City and stuff is still revered. And no, yeah. It, it, I mean, to be honest, Kevin, that's pretty much my era. It's like I could probably—that's probably very similar to my two. Kevin has been absolutely brilliant chatting to you thank you so much for your time i appreciate it um and and hopefully everything will be sorted soon and uh, all the kids will be back and uh, and then we can we can crack on and get some more of those boys into the first team that's for sure because there's loads there you've got some cracking players the under 18s as well I, 
I've got a really good feeling about the next four or five years. Uh, fingers crossed, I think we could have quite a few gems coming through. That's amazing. Obviously, thank you to everyone else for watching and all the support for everyone. As we've we've hit 50, over 50, uh, 50 guests now, which is absolutely incredible because we only started it sort of three or four weeks ago. So I appreciate everyone's time and and uh, suggestions and uh, people we could interview and stuff. And for me and Ke- oh god, oh, not over for me and Kevin. Take care, everybody, and stay safe. And see you soon. Bye bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.